you are going to have your version of exile that you are stuck in. We, we all do, right? So it might be like a physical ailment that you've just been wrestling with. It might be a hard relationship that you're in. It might be a difficult job that you're currently in. God may have you there for 10 minutes. He may have you there for 10 years. I don't know. I don't know this. But I do know that I want to pray God's favor on you while you're in it. to be with you all in the house of the Lord today on this beautiful, beautiful Mother's Day. Um, I love it, man. It's good. It's good to be with you all. First service. Uh, so we have, man, I, I just, even getting into this, I just want to thank you so much for being a church that does more um, than merely study the word, show up, but you want to hide the word in your heart. And it's been so fun to do this series, um, literally to have a series where we're hiding God's word in our heart. We're making it known. Uh, Noah, if you could, could you grab my table for me? I'm going to put you to work, son. It's my 18-year-old. He's getting ready to go to college. And, uh, and so look at that, well, well-trained by his mother by his mother. I do love you. Right there, right in between the lines. You've not had the training yet. That's okay. Love you too, uh, love you too son. And one of my, uh, we were laying in bed last night. He's our first one that's getting ready to go to college. And so we were laying in bed last night. My, my wife is reminiscing about all this and she, uh, it, okay, is this normal? She literally laid there and just started crying. And I was like, we get more space and we get to pay for less food. <laughs> And my wife, he's going to go to college. I remember when he was a baby, I should have held him more. I should have cuddled with him more. I should have all, all the I should have. And so uh, we love you, son. I'm glad you're going to pay for your own food one day. <laughs> and I really do love you deeply, your joy. Um, I'm excited to get into today's message. Remember, we are studying out of the ESV and we're memorizing out of the NIV. And it is okay, deep breath, it's okay to use more than one translation of the Bible. In fact, it can be beneficial. We talked about that in detail a number of weeks ago. Uh, I also want to thank you so much for filling out the Next Steps card. Um, when you do that, man, we've been going through those. I mean, some, man, there are weeks we'll get hundreds of them turned in between the campuses. And to read through those and pray for you and pray over you is such a joy. I mean, man, there are times it breaks my heart um, when I read through the hard things that you're going through. Um, and we pray with you, our team prays with you and over you. It's so good to hear what God is doing in your life. Man, you, you don't know how much of a joy it is to not only share my heart with you, but to literally hear you or read your heart shared back with us. And so thank you so much for doing that. And uh, we're going to do some more of that even today. Uh, I want to publicly, I know we have, a, we have a lot of people that watch online, and I just want to, to the cameras, one of them all the way down to Oklahoma is my, my mom. Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, even as we get into this text, I cannot thank you enough for relentlessly, sometimes without grace, passionately refusing to give up on this rebellious kid. 
And all of those times, man, where you ran me down or you set me down or you made me wrap words around my feelings um, are all those times that, man, you worked to help contextualize situations, help me understand what was going on. All those times that I sat there, man, even with my arms crossed or not responding the way you probably wished I would, I want you to know it still made a massive difference. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for making me go to church. Thank you for making me go to youth. Thank you for making me memorize scripture. All these years later, on my darkest moments in the middle of the night, when I wake up and I feel panicky or I'm worried about something, it's those verses that you hid in my heart when I was a child that come back to mind. Thank you for not giving up on me. And, and I just want to say to the rest of you all, too, in this room, man, parents, all of you parents, not just even biological parents, but some of you work as like mentors to the youth, the teenagers, you know, you're a small group leader, a D group leader, um, those in your small group, grandkids, all of you that play the role of mentoring someone else in any form, don't give up on them. Even when they're not responding well, it is going into their heart more than you realize. Keep planting those seeds. Uh, so with this in mind, I'm really excited about today's verse because this is one that my mom has helped me understand. My mother is a beautiful contextualization ninja. I used ninja in church. Hopefully that's okay. And I literally mean ninja. Uh, she is brilliant and she is so good uh, at helping me understand. We, we would memorize scripture. It wasn't just understanding like the biblical context. She would always want us to understand the context of the heart of God. So not just literary context, not just historical context, but even like the context of the heart. Like what is happening in the people that are reading this and hearing it? What are we learning about the nature of God? What does it teach us about the nature of God? And so I'm very excited to get into this verse. Now I did wake up in the middle of the night a couple of days ago and I was like, man, this is a verse that many of you have probably memorized. It's a verse that many of you probably have as an anchor verse in your life and in your heart. Some of you maybe even do have it tattooed somewhere. Listen, as I work to help you understand this scripture better, I pray it sinks in even deeper. So here's the way I would say it. I know this is a core verse for many of you. My goal is not to cause harm as I unravel the misuse of this text, right? I don't want to cause harm of that. My hope is that this sermon will bring even deeper love of this scripture, even deeper love of it. Um, Jeremiah 29.11 is often misrepresented in two primary ways, Okay. And so the first one is this, people have taken this verse out of context and misused it as a promise that God would bless whatever they put their heart and mind to. Think of like the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. So people read this verse and they're like, I'm believing that God is going to give me what my heart desires or what I want or a, a better future right away. It's right around the corner, right for me. And we emerge this health, wealth, prosperity gospel and we believe in it. And we're praying for it. And the truth is, it doesn't always work out that way, right? Like the, the response to this misuse created recontextualization zealots, right? That, that word recontextualization. So people took this verse out of its context. They kind of misused it when they memorized it. And people have noticed this, even scholars, even pastors. And so they want to recontextualize the verse back into it. But they become so myopic, right? Like short-sighted, 
they become so myopic in the recontextualization that they end up missing the grand heart of God that is communicated to you. So here's the way I would say it. These people so hang on original context, they can overlook the revealed nature of God that does apply to us. So on one side, you have people that misuse the text because they take it out of context. On the other side, you have people that so want to recontextualize it that they miss the heart of God. Not all scripture was written directly to us, but all scripture was written for our benefit. Not all scripture was written directly to us, but all scripture is written to our benefit, right? I do want to talk a little bit about context. We do have a funny way of taking some verses and pulling them out of their narrative and then applying them. But we don't do this universally. Like, just imagine with me that like a worn out mom comes up to me and says, Pastor Mike, I am so tired of my rebellious teenage girl. You know that scripture where Abraham sacrifices Isaac on the altar? Let's leave that one in context. Imagine with me another mother walks up to me who has a son that she just really loves. I mean, you know those parents that like their kid can do nothing wrong. They're always perfect. Any bad grade is always the teacher's fault. Any fight they ever get in is the other kid's fault. You know, that kind of mom. Imagine that mom walks up to me and she says, oh, Pastor Mike, I was praying about my son whom I just so idolize. And you know that verse where the angel shows up to Mary and says, your son will be the savior of the world. I think that verse is for me. No, no. Let's leave that tucked right in there in the Bible where it belongs. All right, now imagine with me that we're sitting in one of our sanctuaries and one of our campuses, you know, around the city, and uh, you got an older bald man sitting in front of a group of teenagers. Maybe a younger bald man. And he hears during the service these kids making fun of him. Dude, look how shiny his head is. I wonder if you're ever going to look like that, right? Like, and imagine this old guy after the service, after the service, after the service, just to reemphasize that, gets up, comes up to me and goes, you remember that scripture where the prophet in the Old Testament called out the bears to maul the kid that made fun of him for being bald? I'm going down that road. No, that's not. Leave that verse right where it belongs, right where it belongs. Leave it contextualized. We have a tendency, right, to pull verses out of context that we like. Listen, that sometimes is absolutely okay. But you need to remember the intent of who it was written to and why it was written and what the purpose of it was. And you also need to ask the question, what are we learning about the nature of God in this? To be honest, I'm not entirely sure the nature of God when he calls out bears to maul the, the, the kids that were making fun of the bold prophet. It's actually in the Bible. It's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that one. But context does matter. It really does matter. Remember, 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 not all scripture was written to us, but all scripture was written to our benefit. Jeremiah 29, 11, the text for today, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, we're going to study it out of the ESV, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
A couple things that are really important. The first one is this. The grand story. So Jeremiah, the whole grand story of Jeremiah begins with the people of God using the gifts God has given them selfishly. They were causing more of the very suffering they were supposed to be relieving. I mean, like, it's really important. We're going to ask this question a couple of times today. What do you do with the gifts God has given you? What happens to the world around you? Along comes the prophet Jeremiah proclaiming the fall of God's people because of their unfaithfulness. God is going to remove his hand of favor. There is nothing scarier. When you lean into rebellion or you use the things that God has given you selfishly and they cause more harm and they misrepresent God and God has to take his hand of favor off of you, off of your family, off of your city, off of your nation, there is nothing scarier. A couple of questions that we do need to ask that are really, really important. When God blesses you, what happens to God's reputation? When God blesses you, what happens to his reputation? Do you make him look good? Do you make him look loving? When God blesses you, what happens to God's reputation? And then the really hard one, and this was huge in Jeremiah, what happens to the most vulnerable in society? In fact, over and over again, we hear through Jeremiah to the Israelites, the people of God that were not using the gifts of God well, man, their greatest condemnation that happens over and over and over again in Jeremiah is the lost, the last, and the least are suffering because when God blesses somebody with great brilliance, great business prowess, great money, when God blesses these people, they just hoard more of it and more of the lowest suffer. That's the primary complaint from Jeremiah. What happens when God blesses you? What happens to God's reputation? What happens to the most vulnerable in society? Think about the poor. Think about the orphan. Think about the immigrant. Think about the disabled. Do their lives improve when God blesses you? That's the main complaint in Jeremiah. And the main reason God is going to remove his hand of favor off those people. Whatever you have done unto the least of these, you have done unto me. A really scary thought. History teaches that ultimate power doesn't ultimately corrupt. Ultimate power ultimately reveals and magnifies what's already in us. When you read through Scripture, and then when you've been a pastor for more than 20 years, you find a common theme that people say all the time. It's basically this. I would love to be more generous, but I just need God to give me more. 
And what I've learned over the years is the same thing that Jeremiah is pointing out. If that's your heart, you will never have enough to be generous. And eventually God will be so generous to you and you'll justify so much hoarding that he'll take his hand off of you and he'll say, I need to trust somebody else. That's what happens. That's, that's super scary. Can we just admit that's, that's super scary? Super scary. With this in mind, I want to read the literary context. So we have some historical context. Let's read the literary context of this very famous scripture. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14. Now, pay close attention to what's actually happening, where this verse, the promise that's made, what is actually happening in the story. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Jeremiah is representing God to these people. The God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Who put them in exile? God did. He says to them, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. So even while you're in exile, God's hand still wants to be on you to do good things. Even while you are in exile, God's hand, he desires to have his hand on you to do good things. But seek the welfare of the city. Hold on. Seek the welfare of the city of the people who just overtook you. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on behalf of its welfare. Literally pray for the lost people that you don't want to be around. You will find your welfare. You will find your welfare as you seek the welfare of the city you are in exile in. God will bless you as you be a blessing to the people who put you in exile. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Now we know in context what these false prophets are saying, and you find it in the next verse. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill your, or fulfill uh, and will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So what was happening is all these false prophets, false pastors, false teachers were coming along going, God wants to give you good things now. He's going to rescue you today. You're going to get out of this. You're okay. It's no big deal. And he says, nope, that's all not of me. What's of me is you will be here for 70 years. That's what's actually of me. Okay, I know this sounds really dark at the moment, Happy Mother's Day. Oh. No, bear with me. It, it, it gets good. Hang on just a second. It gets really good, okay? It gets really good. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. In the land of exile, while you're there for 70 years, he gives you a future and a hope while you're in exile, 
He gives you a future and a hope while you're in exile. Then you will call upon me after this is done, right? You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you. A couple of key ideas. And, and Hilda, I'm going to go quick through these. Are you ready? Just boom, boom, straight through them all. Hilda's, you know what, listen. I just want to pause really quick. The people that do my slides, they are gifts of God because I get excited and then I'm all over the place. And so we just, Hilda, thank you so much for your great work in the back. And, uh, and so I do greatly appreciate her and I'm about to work her out. Here we go. Are you ready? A couple things that we need to know. I'm going to go quick through these. They are told to accept the exile to begin living in their current state. They are told that God will bless them while they are there. They are told to be a witness and work to the welfare of these people for 70 years. They are told false prophets will keep continually telling them God is going to take them out now. Can you see it? All right, now, now I really want this to connect Can you see it? They are forced into the original calling to be transformational witnesses to the nations, Isaiah 43. Um, I'm going to invite Josh up as I pull this idea together. Here's the really interesting part. When God originally put his hand on his people and started to really bless them, he also gave them a purpose. And the purpose when he blessed them was to represent him well to the nations all around them. But instead of going into a lost world and being witnesses, the people of God were using the gifts of God to just selfishly hoard and have more and take advantage of others around them. So the crazy thing in this text is they are actually by force now doing what God originally called them to do, which is go be a missionary to these lost people. God is literally making them do what he originally called them to do. God is making them do what he originally called them to do. What does this mean for us? Okay, here is the, so much of the Bible is like, um, well, it's the cross. It's a really scary, weird, hard thing and an extremely beautiful, glorious, good thing. And the good is going to totally conquer the bad. But there's a weird in-between that we're all stuck in. I mean, it's like when they took Jesus off the cross, the good had been marked. It is now going to represent the love and hope for the rest of eternity. It is the epicenter of the human story. But think of the moments, hours after he was taken off the cross. It's still covered in blood and it's still messy. It's still leaning into its future forever reality. That's where these people are at. The already 
and the not quite yet. What does this mean for me? God not only loves his sinful people, he also loves the lost people that they are around. Okay, so hang with me. If you are in a job and it feels like you're in exile, you need to know he loves you and cares for you while you're there, but he also loves all those people that you're stuck with too. He loves the Israelites and he wants the word and hope and ways of Jesus to impact all the Babylonians, and it does. And we know from the future of the story, you ultimately land on maybe even the wise men coming from this part of the country, Babylon, Persia, follow the story all the way through. It's crazy. They are going to be amazing witnesses while in exile. God is present and active with his people even when they are in seasons of exile, which this is so important. If you are in a hard season right now, God sees you and he can even bless you and help you and walk with you even in the middle of it. You can have glorious, eternal, magnificent purpose even while you're still in your exile. It can coexist. You can sit in suffering and also sit in amazing, eternal mission of God. They can coexist. Let God bring purpose to your exile. God can work with you and in you, no matter how big your mistakes have been. Now remember, God is about to use these people to be a glorious witness to Babylon, ultimately Persia. I'm all the way through the stories. I mean, maybe, and we really do think the wise men coming from there, all the history. Think of Daniel. Think of all that happened. This mission's work started from people that were super sinful and bad. What this means is, no matter how much you've messed up, you can still lean into the mission of God. Do you hear me? No matter how much you've messed up, it doesn't matter. No matter how much you've messed up, with grace, when you call on his name in humility, you can lean into purpose today. Take up your calling. Take up your identity. Even if you forgot it, take it up again. Remember who you are. Remember the mission that God originally gave you. Do not forget it. Lean into it. It is who you truly are. And God will still do an amazing work, even from the hands of people that have failed him before. God wants you to lean into his mission, even after massive failures. In exile, they still have a glorious purpose and the love of God. Listen to me clearly. The best is yet to come even for us today. Listen, if I could summarize this, the, the depth and the weight and the beauty of this scripture, the heavy and the hard and the glorious and the hope, this is the way I would sum it up. Flourish where you are planted. And believe in the promise of a glorious final family reunion. Heaven is our homeland. And you can live on purpose while in exile today.
So here would be my question. I want you to uh, grab the next steps card. They're in the back of the chair in front of you. Uh, go, okay, you're looking. Grab your next steps card. They're in the back of the chair in front of you. Just tear one out, pass it down. I know it's Mother's Day. There you go. Come on, grab it. Get some rustling around there. You can at least pretend like you're doing it and make me feel better about myself. That's good. So do this. It's like when the kids, yes, the kids do something. They're looking at you like this. They're not really doing it. You know what? I know where you're at. Get the next. It's okay. Pastor loves you. Here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to do because I want to pray for you. So everybody in this room, you are going to have your version of exile that you are stuck in. We, we all do, right? So it might be like a physical ailment that you've just been wrestling with. It might be a hard relationship that you're in. It might be a difficult job that you're currently in. God may have you there for 10 minutes. He may have you there for 10 years. I don't know. I don't know this. But I do know that I want to pray God's favor on you while you're in it. I want to pray God's favor over you while you're in it. It may be 10 minutes, maybe 10 years, I don't know, but I want to pray God's favor over you. So here's what I'd like you to do on your cards. Where do you feel God calling you to flourish where he has planted you? So on the card, I just want you to write that down. So just write it down on the card. If it's like my workplace, maybe it's a university, maybe it's a relationship, where is God calling you to flourish where he has planted you? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, you know, I'm battling with a sickness. You know, I've got a pain in wherever. You know, maybe it's loss. I feel loss right now. I'm, whatever exile you feel like you're in, I want my team, listen, I want my team to lay hands on your story and pray this scripture into your life while you're in exile so that even though you may not be in the ideal end that you desire while you are here we're going to pray that God will work for your welfare that you will work for the welfare and the benefit of the people around you that he will put his hand of favor on you while you're in exile that you will feel the purpose even in this hard season I want to pray glorious mission into your hard situation that's what I want to pray so if you would take a moment and just answer this question on the card that our team might pray over you. I love you. I love that I get to be your pastor. And I love that we memorize scripture as a church. And I really believe the best is yet to come. God, in your name, I ask that you would move. I pray that even now as people are writing, they can write while we pray. You can write and pray at the same time, permission given. I ask, God, that even as people are writing and reflecting now on whatever situation they're in, I pray that as they write this down, they would not write it down as a place where you have lost or failed them. I pray they would write it down as a place where you're about to pour out favor, a place where your nature and your heart is known even while they are in exile, your heart of love, your heart of compassion, your heart of desire to, to literally have families, plant gardens, pray for the welfare of the city, grow in number. You are 
pouring out your blessing to them even while they're in exile so they might represent you well. I want to pray that massive, glorious, good purpose into whatever situation is represented in this room or those watching online today. Jesus, we believe your good work is still working. We believe that we can live in mission and on mission. We believe that you want to redeem the world, and we believe the best is yet to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness and love. Amen. Take a moment. Go ahead and write. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.